chapter 48 begins by informing us that Jacob, who has come down to Egypt, he's been there, we were told a few verses earlier, for 17 years. And in chapter 48, Joseph is informed, your father is ill. Ephraim, Joseph, came with his two sons, Menashe, that's the older son, and Ephraim, that's the younger son. And when Jacob is told that Joseph is coming, he strengthens himself. And now in verse number 3 of chapter 48, we have a series of remarkable verses. Jacob begins to tell Joseph about his past, about his history. Jacob says to Joseph, God appeared to me in Luz, in the land of Canaan. Luz was the name that Jacob changes to Bethel. When I came back to the land, God appeared to me in Luz, and God blessed me. Chapter 35. The middle of chapter 35 says exactly what Jacob says. And God said to me, I will multiply you. I will make you a company of nations. And I will give this land to your descendants as a permanent possession. That's what God said to me when I came down, returning from the house of Lavan, coming back to the land of Canaan. Now Jacob continues. Says Jacob, and now, the two sons born to you in Egypt before I got here are mine. Your two sons, Menashe and Ephraim, are to me like Ruven and Shimon, my two oldest sons. The ones born afterwards will be yours, he says. That's the next verse. But these two are mine. What does it mean they're mine? Jacob seems to be adopting, simply taking Joseph's two sons, his grandsons, and saying, these are my sons. In other words, when I came back to the land, God said, I am multiplying you. Or in the words of chapter 35, be fruitful and multiply. And Jacob, no doubt, is thinking, in chapter 35... Right after God said, be fruitful and multiply, Rachel dies. Very strange. Be fruitful and multiply, and my beloved Rachel dies. So what Jacob is saying is, I now understand what God said to me in chapter 35. Be fruitful and multiply, that you will have more children. It is true that Benjamin was born right away, and Rachel dies in childbirth. But a nation and a company of nations, says Jacob, and maybe Jacob interpreted earlier to mean It's not about me personally, Israel. It's about the people of Israel. They will grow. But to Joseph, he says, no, I now reinterpret the Torah. I understand what God meant. God meant I will continue to have children, a company of nations. So I'm having more children. Not those born to Rachel biologically, but those grandchildren of Rachel, those born to Joseph. The ones before I got here are mine. Now, why the other ones before I got here mine? Presumably what Jacob is saying is, he's speaking to Joseph, the viceroy of Egypt, the man who travels in the chariot of Egypt. 
when he meets Jacob, he's, he's in his chariot. And what Jacob seems to be saying is, Joseph, you are an Egyptian. You have maintained a certain amount of Jewish identity, no question. But I have questions about your children. And I have to, says Jacob, adopt them. I'm going to take them away from you. I'm going to make them mine. Maybe later I'll return them to you. But at this point, they're going to be mine. And they're going to be mine will mean, as we'll see shortly, they're going to replace you. There's not going to be a tribe of Joseph. There will be a tribe of Manasseh and a tribe of Ephraim. In effect, Joseph will get a double portion, which the firstborn gets. So he's granting Joseph a double portion, while at the same time, he's removing Joseph's name from the slate. Presumably, it has to do with Jacob building the family. The brothers and Joseph have too much tension between them. So the way Joseph gets included in the family is by Jacob removing Joseph on one hand, but including Joseph's children in place of Joseph. So there's a tribe of Manasseh and a tribe of Ephraim, and there's no tribe of Joseph. That's in effect what Jacob is saying, and that's a fulfillment of the blessing. And Jacob continues and says, Vani mi Padan, when I came back from Padan, from the house of Lan, Rachel died on the road. And then he adds strangely, when I came back, Rachel died on the road on the way to Ephrat. I buried her Bederech Ephrata. The names in the Torah are often not just names. Ephrat is related to the word Lifrot, which is to be multiplied to be fruitful. So Jacob says, God told me, be fruitful and multiply, and then Rachel dies. But she dies in a place called Ephrat, which is a sign, says Jacob, that Rachel will continue to have children after her death. He, he's able to bring Rachel fully back into the family. She died on the path, having stolen the trophim. But Rachel is being brought back. Rachel can, is, is, has more children. Two more children, Menashe and Ephraim. And that, Jacob says, I come to understand now the significance of her death in Ephrat. And now, Jacob says to Joseph, bring me your two sons and I will bless them. Actually, my sons, and I will bless them. The Torah says that Joseph, who was coming to have Jacob bless his sons, so the Torah says that Later on in the chapter, in verse number 12, he removed them from his knees and they bowed down. And Joseph took, in verse 13, Ephraim on his right side, which was to the left of Israel, and Menasheh on his left side, which was to the right of Israel. In other words, he's bringing the sons with his oldest son, Menasheh, on Jacob's right and Ephraim on Jacob's left. The Torah says, vis-a-vis Joseph's, obviously they're positioned the other way. Menashe is on Joseph's left and Ephraim is on Joseph's right. And Jacob, who now blesses them with a collective blessing, but he switches his hand. He places the right hand on the head of Ephraim and the left hand on the head of Menashe when he gives them the blessing, the beautiful blessing. And Joseph objects, Father, you're making a mistake. He tries to pull his father's hand off. No, no, no. Menashe is the firstborn. 
And Jacob says, Yodati b'ni Yodati, I know that. He'll also be great, but the younger shall be greater still. In other words, he favors Ephraim over Menashe. Now the very name Ephraim, which means fertility, ties in very beautifully with Ephrat and Mafricha v'hir biticha. But of course there's a much deeper point over here. It's not just a matter of the play on the name. But Menashe and Ephraim represent two different things. What Jacob and Joseph are arguing about is something very deep. For Joseph, Menashe, which means forgetfulness, represents Joseph's ability to come to a foreign land with nothing, a Hebrew slave, having been expelled by his own family one way or the other, and to build himself up from nothing to become second in command in the land of Egypt. So Menashe, forgetfulness, I did it on my own, a testimony to the greatness of Joseph and to the brilliance of Joseph and the drive of Joseph. But for Jacob, that's secondary. Ephraim, fertility, Joseph named his second son, Kiefrani Elohim Bieretz Anyi. God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Joseph saw when he named Ephraim Egypt as a place of affliction. Anyi, Oni, that's a very important covenantal term. And that represents the idea that Egypt is not our place. So for Jacob, the successes of Egypt are relatively unimportant. What Jacob cares about is covenantal destiny, which is back in the land of Canaan, the place which God speaks from. So Ephraim is paramount and Menashe is second. And that's the fight and that's the struggle. And Jacob whom the Torah says is virtually blind, turns out to see much more clearly than his brilliant son Joseph. I know so. I know about Menashe. I know about Ephraim. These are my children, he says. I took them away from you because I'm the one that's going to shape the destiny. The younger one, Ephraim, is a fulfillment of God's promise back in chapter 35. Through them I will build my family. Through Ephraim, through Menashe, I bring you back through them. And I bring Rachel back at the same time.